0: and load this is steve dace the
1: steve day show
2: and greetings happy new year we're back because they couldn't find anyone else i'm steve dace the year 2020 the broadcast year officially begins here on blaze tv Radio and podcast. If you are one of those people that uh, discovered us last week when we filled in for Glenn Beck a couple of days, here's how you can let us know what you think about what we think. You can email us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, who does not like us, however. So good luck. Give it a shot. I doubt it will happen, but maybe you'll get lucky. You can also find us and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace show until they ban us as well because it's an election year. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. Gentlemen, I trust your vacations were great. Rewarding. Fulfilling. Yeah. Yep. All of the above. Full of peace and contentment. I got married. Oh, well, that happened. So peace and contentment weren't your thing then this Christmas. Is that what you're saying? No. Oh, it <laughs> and it begins. We're two minutes in, and we have our first Nutcracker of the year. Yes. Oh mercy! In all seriousness, uh, you are a very fortunate man. I am. Yeah. And she's she's fairly getting to know you the last few years. She's fairly lucky herself. All right. So congratulations to the both of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Very happy.
1: Very happy indeed.
2: All right. So first Christmas, you guys do what Amy and I did. Our first Christmas, we went out and bought a crap ton of of, of Christmas decorations and ornaments. <laughs> That we have all, the, and all we have of that now, we still have the same stockings we bought at like the Sears Living Home Store that very first year. Of course, he's asking, "What's a Sears?" Yeah, um, but at the Sears Living Home Store, remember those? I do not. Yeah, okay, yeah, you could go in the basement and get stuff like to refurbish your house. We must have bought like every Christmas thing they had that first Christmas and I can't even tell you how much money it probably cost me, because I was, and I wasn't making any money back then. And all we have left, we have the exact same stockings that we had that we bought at that Christmas. Other than that, we don't yeah. have anything from it.
0: Well, that's the coolest part of the story. You still have it. I Do mean, we still have the it. stockings? Yeah.
2: There you go. Yeah. I mean,
0: that would have... If you had moved on to like stockings 4.0 by now, that would have been a sad story. The fact that there's meaning in that visit, yes, that's good. Yeah, that's a good story. We have
2: the same stockings for her and I. We didn't have any children back then. Right. So we literally had to go online, find these stockings when Sears Home Stores closed. And we had to go online and like find you know, who manufactured these stockings. And so every kid was given a stocking that looks like mom and dad's. And then when we brought the dog into the family, they didn't make these stockings anymore. So he's got like this red and white one traditional. Okay. Now you've gone the too end. far. <laughs> <laughs> am I the only one that already missed? I, I missed the pumpkin spice eggnog. Yeah. It's funny. I love Christmas and everything. You guys know that I am the slap, but I've moved on, you know, I'm okay. The, but the one thing I'm like, dude, 10 more months without that pumpkin spice eggnog. It's one of the best things I've ever drank in my life. And we're three minutes in to the new year, and there is your first pumpkin spice reference, Todd. That was for you. So I've got a sneaking suspicion, given the fact that I believe tomorrow will be three weeks since the president of the United States was impeached Yet, the articles of impeachment have actually not been given over, so he's not impeached, right? Three weeks in and and we don't even know whether the president is impeached or not. I, I've moved on to the Pope slapping people. So. <laughs> I oh. forgot about that that seems yes. like five years ago. The Pope's like, "Get off me, all right. Um, Just like Jesus did. (laughs) Yes. And Jesus looked upon the crowds and had no pity for them because he had an appointment on national television in the makeup tent uh, was his next stop. Yes. Um, and, And apparently it's bad to kill Iranian terrorists now. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Bill Clinton was bombing aspirin factories in the middle of deserts. All right. To get a body count to distract from his impeachment. But whatevs. So. I have a sneaking suspicion on December 21st, which will be our final broadcast day of this year. If we last that long, by the way. All right. But if this, if we last that long, December 21st is our final broadcast day of the year. I have a sneaking suspicion. When we get to that day, we are going to all think we need some time away because it's already dumb and it's only going to get dumber. And that brings us to our very first happened, what happened while we were away. It's a very special edition to kick off the new year so that all of you know what will be the show theme after the rousing success of last year's year of no BS and who determined it was a rousing success? Well... Us, of course. You felt good about it. I, I mean, I felt really good about it. I prayed about it. I felt really good about where I'm at right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I I'm was totally down with it. So what do you do for an encore? Actually, this is an encore. We have one of these every single year. What will this year's show theme be? Aaron has the announcement.
1: What happened while we were away? Brought to you by a new year, a new theme. Who dis? After celebrating the 48th month of the Year of Our Lord 2016 last week and ushering in a new year full of promise and hope for the future, the team here on the Steve Day Show got together and decided it's time for a new theme for this year's program. We talked about it, prayed about it, feel real good about it, and decided the new theme really needed to reflect the optimism which 2020 is sure to bring. Of course, the biggest story this year is going to be the election between Donald Trump and whoever the Democrats nominate. But no matter who wins, we're pretty sure the country is going to continue down its stellar course. So without further ado, the theme for this year's Steve Day show is... Assume you're being lied to. Why assume you're being lied to? Well, in the words of the great prophet, the who, quote, and the parting on the left is now the parting on the right, and the beards have all grown longer overnight, end quote. As we head into the most important election of our lifetime, no matter where you get your news from, left or right leaning, there's no debating. There's going to be some spin somewhere. And no matter how tantalizing a headline may be, it's probably best to assume it's fake news until there's exculpatory evidence to the contrary. For example, last year around this time, our social media screens and our TVs were graced with the story of one Jussie Smollett, the big time actor who orchestrated and perpetrated a hate crime hoax against himself. Smollett was rightly rhetorically tarred and feathered by anyone not living in Colin Kaepernick land for his unabashed attempt to paint right America as prowling racists looking for the next person they can devour. But lest you think this is just a hallmark of the left, the right had its own fake hate crime while we were. on Christmas vacation. A picture of a purportedly beat-up young boy went viral late December with a caption saying he had been attacked for wearing a MAGA hat. The story was widely circulated on right-of-center social media. Turns out the entire thing was a hoax. Both you and I could point to example after example from left media, from the Covington Catholic hoax to the Russia hoax to the Ukraine hoax to the impeachment hoax to the ongoing fake hate crime hoaxes to, well, you get the idea... But this goes on quite a bit on the right as well. Go to any number of websites like Gateway Pundit or Infowars and just look in your social media feeds on any day that ends in why, and you'll find yourself rolling your eyes over the amount of conspiratorial wish casting that goes on about the left in America. Or just listen to about any Republican in Congress and you'll be greeted by a never-ending stream of half-truths and virtue-signaling BS about why they're selling you out this time, and just visit Conservative Review's Liberty Scorecard and you'll see one and for all that the Republican Party is not the home of conservatism in the United States. So this year on the Steve Day Show, we're going to assume we're being lied to with pretty much every story that comes out, culture, politics, and otherwise. We'll be asking and attempting to answer some uncomfortable questions in the process and hopefully find the truth, even when it seems unattainable, which it probably is, so buckle up. And that's what happened while we were away. For those of you that are not Blaze
2: TV subscribers, you missed the subtlety yet mastery of Aaron putting up Karl Marx's picture along the statement with whomever the Democrats nominate. That is the very first well played of 2020, my friend. Well Thank done. Thank you. Thank you. And if you would like to be a Blaze TV subscriber, yes, that's a segue to a commercial. BlazeTV.com slash DACE is how you can subscribe. Get a reduced subscription with my name as the reason for the discount when you go to blazeTV.com slash DACE and you won't just get to watch what we do, but all of the exclusive programming that airs each and every day at blazeTV.com slash DACE. So, why did we choose this theme? Because there's, there's two dynamics that are at play right now in the culture. On one side, you have a group of people who have exchanged the truth for an assortment of lies, if you get the reference I am making here, and have therefore been given over to their own depraved minds. Last night, you watched a Hollywood actress who's pregnant. Go on stage and say, if I had not killed my previous kid, I wouldn't be here tonight. That happens all the time. We've had, we've had parents sue hospitals for wrongful birth. Meaning you didn't, you didn't correctly diagnose that this kid was going to be disabled in some way. And I didn't want to have it. So I ended up having a kid I didn't want. I wanted to kill it long before this. When you exchange the big truth of the universe for the assortment of lies attempting to replace it, eventually you are given over to your own depraved mind. And you saw this with the eulogizing of literally one of the worst people on planet Earth. A member of the Iranian high command. And I don't think this is bias. I I don't. I think it's consistency, actually. Because the people that run that partisan media hate American exceptionalism every bit as much as the Iranians do just from a different vantage point. But in the end game recognize game and they see, Hey, we got a common enemy here. And the enemy of my enemy is my friend, the stars and bars. That's the enemy here. And so that side has determined that the presence of Donald Trump They they thought this long before Donald Trump came along. They they've thought this most of my life actually, and I'm 46 years old now. But they've not been so brazen about saying it, and they have determined in these last couple of years that the presence of Donald Trump is such a lightning rod and such a turnoff to wide swaths of Americana that they can now be honest the wolf can show up at Little red, Riding Hood, Little red Riding Hood's house without any grandma gear and literally just knock on the door and say, hey, what do you guys think of my fangs, my claws? How do you like them apples? The devil's out here now in a red unitard and a pitchfork trolling you out in the open, dancing the jig through the champs if you get another reference there. And they've just decided, as pagan as we want to be. Now, those of us who want to oppose this are having our own internal dialogue. How much to become like this in order to defeat it? And I have told you from the very beginning, as long as I'm hosting this show, now, eventually, I may be so far too much of a challenge, an acquired taste, that not enough people acquire it and somebody else might be doing it and you might get a different perspective then but as long as i'm hosting this show i'm not giving up a damn inch of the high ground to the mob outside of Lott's house nothing i'm not giving them anything i'm on the right side of history i'm on team undefeated in the cosmos i'm not i'm not giving them squat I'm not surrendering any principles. I'm not adopting any Alinsky-esque tactics. I'm not doing any of that. I don't have to. My worldview has survived from an upper room in Jerusalem to turning Rome into an official sanctioned state of the religion within just a few centuries. I don't have to give up diddly-poo and I'm not giving them anything. Now, you'll go other places where they're like, hey, we've got our own hoaxes my kid got beat up no he didn't well maybe not he got beat up but not for the reasons you're claiming well this will play on fox news tonight i don't care what is the truth the truth is 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 the friend of of the worldview of this show it's our it's our bestie actually the truth is good enough it's its, its own reward and so we've got this rising tide now in the not Marxist America, the what's left of America, that has that is more and more deciding to adopt this machinery, and is justifying it by how depraved the other side is. And now you bring all of these things together into the booya base that is an, a, a typical election year, where. You're already getting the truth, Obi-Wan, from a certain point of view, even in the best of times. Anyway, it's a subjective sliding scale in any typical election year. But now you add that ingredient to the environment, and at this point, a whole lot of people feel totally justified just lying with impunity because of what they consider the alternative to be. And so we tried to consider, during this election year, we needed a theme, gentlemen, that kind of was a plumb line for us to not get caught up in the zeitgeist and the ebbs and flows of this. Make no mistake, we are going to cover this election thoroughly. We understand it is barring some kind of... uh, Natural disaster or international conflict. I think none of us want to see but barring something like that. We understand that this is right now going to be the number one story of the year. That's why when I do my top 10 predictions for 2020 in the next hour, you're going to see the election is featured prominently in those in those predictions. Okay, so we're going to cover this thing thoroughly. I'm going to do my best to put my previous expertise in this line of work to work. Although I have no idea how much of that expertise will be needed anymore, (laughs) given the environment that we are currently in. But we're going to give it the old college try. But there needed to be some places we felt like people could go, even if it's a dwindling number of people, where they're like, you know what? I really need to know who's out there doing their best to try to just tell me what's really going on. And thankfully, we have an atmosphere and a platform here at The Blaze that encourages that. And we want to take full advantage of that here on this show. Which is why, with every piece of news, we are going to begin the premise of our analysis with the assumption that we are being lied to. Can we verify this independently? Is there more than one objectively stated fact that we can confirm? How much of this is really just your analysis by paralysis. How much of this is actual news? How much of it is fake news? How much of it is really just propaganda? And we thought, after discussing this, pretty lengthy. I mean, we talked about this, guys, for like 10 minutes the other day. Yeah.
0: That is lengthy by our show that, that's, standards. That's, that's
2: about as much as we'll do all year long. Yeah. Um, after, so after a lengthy 10-minute discussion, we thought, the best way for us to keep our heads together while keeping their heads ringing was to just assume everything that comes into our orbit is not true. Just start from there and assume we're being lied to from the get go and err on the side of caution, Todd.
0: Well, this is going to be a mind scrambler. There's no question about that, but it's a necessary one. If, if all this is a cynicism, uh, we'd be wasting our time and yours. But this is this is a path towards legitimate hope, towards hearing the truth from people who perhaps we didn't view as legitimate sources in the past. Um, because... Like Ricky
2: Gervais. Uh,
0: that's my point I was going to bring up. Because... Yeah there is a legitimate market for the truth. We're trying to open up that market again. If you can see Ricky Gervais, who's no friend to Christians, but if you can open yourself up to the possibility that he's trading in that market and the truth in the very same 24 to 48 hour news cycle as a guy who in many respects has been the guy on your side, Tucker Carlson, opening up a a new discussion about what's conservative, what's populism, but he came out very much against uh the uh or asking questions i should say about the bombing in iraq uh that went against some of my gut reactions but does he is it all in is it all out can we have these grown-up discussions this is a pathway towards hope to actually trading in the truth and it's going to be really really weird but that's the test if it feels weird Go with it a little bit, because the level of comfort you'd cloaked yourself in for far too long has not done you or this word conservatism a lick of good.
1: Yes, and I, I think it's really important right now from the outset. I, I think something that if you're listening to this and you could say, uh, this sounds a lot like those who peddle conspiracies, that everything is a lie, the you know the the government is, is doing the chemtrails that make the freaking frogs gay because everything is a lie. Everything you know we're we're not wearing tinfoil hats here. This is not, this is not an effort to fit stories or fit different uh, snippets into a narrative that we're trying to compile. This Venn diagram, not Venn diagram, but maybe a Frankenstein monster of of some sort of narrative conspiratorial narrative that we're trying to fact. This is a statement about the worldview, the, the, the prevailing worldview of what we see out in, in the culture mm-hmm. and in politics every single day. And that's why you started out with exchanging the truth, the cosmic truth, the, 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 the truth um, of, of natural law even for an assortment of lies. That's very much a theological statement so we're not, make no mistake, this is not, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to be looking behind our shoulders every single day and looking for the next conspiracy. Everything is a lie. No, it's just a statement of people are very comfortable. It's like, it's like the baby. Uh, you bring up this example all the time, a baby who poops its diapers and eventually cries for a little bit and it's uncomfortable for a little bit. But then, you know what? This is the way it is now. People are really comfortable just lying. And quite frankly, being lied to. And that's what this statement is. It's not about conspiracies, and it's not trying to, to to fit things into our own uh, type of narrative, our own little uh, our lone little world here. It is about trying to discern the truth when there is everybody, everybody, everywhere seems to be comfortable lying and being lied to.
2: Give it, it, just one example, because the news. I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I've pushed back on this the whole time I've been here. The problem is the the people giving us information are the conspiracy theorists. That's that's the problem. For example, um, a lot of you believe or were told uh, that there was, was no connection between Iran and the 9-11 hijackers. And Mike Pence just made that all up to cover for Trump and lied. Right? That. Right? How many? How many? How many news sources had that information over the, just over this past weekend? Right?
0: And not small news sources either.
2: No, major ones. Except if you go read, I think it's pages two hundred and forty and two hundred and forty-one of the official 9-11 report. It actually does mention coordination with Iran. Now we can therefore debate and discuss: Was it this individual from the Iranian high command specifically? Although given his position in the Iranian high command, I doubt that he was kept in the dark there. But see, that's what real information gathering does, is it actually sees, can I verify that the claim I'm about to make in this in this lower third? The screaming headline. Does it pass any semblance of a smell test whatsoever? I do that first. I then try to get to the distinctions. I try to fill in the gaps of information. I'm just going to run away and, and you know, we're not the biggest Mike Pence fans on this show because of what he did to us on religious liberty in Indiana. And so the same thing that causes me to criticize Mike Pence for selling us out while he was governor of Indiana is the same thing that's going to cause me to have his back here. The truth, the truth of the matter is Iran was involved with the 9-11 hijackers, according to the own U.S. government's 9-11 commission report right there in writing no newsroom in america could verify this no they they don't they don't care to the lie is the story the hoax is the story Brett kavanaugh marauding serial rapist russian collusion Trump's a Nazi. Give him all your guns. Trump's a clear and present danger to American democracies. Let's hold the articles of impeachment for three weeks. And I mean, we could just we could just do this whole show reciting what we've been subjected to the last couple of weeks or a couple of years. And and if you think that Donald Trump doesn't mind being dishonest to get his way, then I I mean you're now you're probably taking your theological lessons from Paula White. So put all those things together now. And and we just think the healthiest thing to do is just to pause and reflect on anything before we analyze it. Because because I also don't think you know the the whole the polls are rigged thing has been we've disproven that on this show. The the polls were not skewed in favor of Obama in 2012. They actually reflected the actual result. The polls were not wrong in 2016. The national poll said Hillary Clinton was going to, the real clear politics polling average almost correctly predicted. I think it was off 0.8 point decimal points or something of what she actually won the popular vote by. The state polls showed it was too close to call and Trump was more competitive on a state by state level. And that's exactly what we saw, what we saw. The polls that said there was going to be a Democrat wave in the House in 2018 weren't wrong. They were right. But I think now, if you've gone out in the open, that we're going to openly give individuals like John Brennan and Andrew McCabe a platform to practice a a de facto coup on on our time, on our platform. That we're going to take a judge we don't like, and try to end his life. Make it, make it, forget not being on the Supreme Court, like, like, he can't show his face in public anymore. We're going to brand him. We're going to end him, a character assassination, right out in public. And we're not going to be sorry later, when we're exposed, we're just going to move on to the very next one, the next target. If, if that's where we're at now, then I don't know why you would not just rig the polling then too. Why wouldn't you do that too? You know, they've, they've done their best to keep that kind of separate from their analysis to have some credibility. But if you're at, if you're at this degree of all in now, why would you show some restraint when it comes to the metrics and the analytics? Why wouldn't you just start cooking that goose too? Why why wouldn't you? I agree. Why wouldn't you just start making stuff up there too? Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you just practice false flags, well, Trump slipping with white evangelicals just literally make stuff up in order to incorporate the veritable fog of war. Why wouldn't you do that? I don't have an answer as to why you would not, given the unrestrained behavior we have seen. And, you know, we've got this little thing over my shoulder here that says truth be told here. And. I, I don't know how to do that. Given I'm not a massive news making news acquiring news reporting operation. We don't do that here at the blaze either. We are commentators. Then, then I, I don't know how else to react to what we've seen the last few years. Then to just accept at face value who these people are and what their end game is and their end game is the end game. And therefore, we ought to ask ourselves before we analyze everything. In the first couple of weeks, it's probably going to be kind of painful on this show as we figure it out too how to incorporate it. But over the course of this year, I think at the very least, it's going to make us better at what we do. And just assume going in that everything's a lie. I mean, think of your initial reaction to the Covington Catholic story almost a year ago. Sure. Right? Lie. My initial reaction on the on Bob Mueller, and the right? Yeah. Why? So that's why the theme of two thousand and twenty is we're just going to assume we're being lied to and start our analysis from there. More in a moment. And for the first time in 2020, let us welcome our good friend from the family leader here in Des Moines, Bob Vanderplotz. Happy New
3: Year to you, my friend. How are you? Happy New Year to you guys. Glad to have you back. I feel really good about being here. New year, new me.
2: Again, what was our theme this year, gentlemen? Assume you're being (laughs) lied to.
3: There's the first one. Oh, come on. He said, I feel
2: real good about being here.
3: New year, new you, new year, new view. New year, 2020 vision.
2: You just keep telling yourself that. All right. (laughs) Right. So let's talk Iowa caucuses with you. Uh, We're going to do it with you for the next few weeks leading up to the event. Okay. And I, um, I did a spot on uh, Glenn Beck's radio program before we went on the air today. Uh, give asking me for my take on what was going on in Iowa. And I'm going to give you the cliff notes version. And then I'm just going to let you go. Okay. Uh, I told him that, um, I think the situation right now is very fluid that I think the impeachment has chloroformed the room that if you walked into the, if you open the door, the door said Iowa caucus and you open the door on it, you would, you like would have to close it. You would realize I, I cannot breathe in there. There's no oxygen in that room. It's chloroformed, um, that the impeachment has done that. And this situation is very fluid. We're coming out of the holidays and the distraction of the impeachment to wait a week or two. I don't know that I would necessarily buy as, as gospel any particular numbers. I think we know who the top four candidates are and the top three will come out of that top four. But knowing any more than that um, and even the order they would be in is difficult. That when you have a fluid day like today, Uh, Like if if today were the caucuses, Glenn asked me, hey, if the caucuses were today, then what would happen? Well, it's going to be 50 degrees in Iowa today. If the caucuses were today, we'd have a record turnout. And then I think this would just come down to when they get in the room. And I think this is something that cannot be stressed enough. They hold their caucuses different than Republicans do. You're not going to get six or seven candidates with three percent like you see in the polls. They have a straw poll that consolidate their support. And I remember being in the hosting the caucus site for Huckabee 10 years ago when they had an open Republican and Democrat contest in 08. And our caucus site was at the same big suburban uh, elementary school. You know, they were way down the hall. The Democrats were we could not hear ourselves think in that room. It's like a labor rally. And so you get all that id, all that ethos or is it pathos all in a room, all that in a room together That. If you get in that room, here's what I think would happen if they ended today. They got into that room and could Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren's supporters convince enough of the other persons to join them in that room? If they could, one of those two would win. If they could not, then I think Pete Buttigieg would win. But I think this thing is very, very fluid. And um, I think... You know, the issue you have with the Joe Biden, he's running a commercial right now that is really good. He sounds great. It's the right message. He sounds presidential. The problem is when you see him on the stump, you see a guy that I think if he was the CEO of a rival investment group trying to take over a publicly traded company, you could get a court hearing about whether he's legally incompetent or not. I mean, he's just not there. And you know what? That's not terrible. He's 80. Most 80-year-old men, that's what they talk and sound like, Okay. And and so I that that's my I, I could say more, but that's the Cliff's notes version of what I said to Glenn this morning on five hundred radio stations across the country. So Bob, I want to now defer to you and your expertise as, and 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 give your feedback. What do you
3: think? A couple things. One is you're right. The Democrat caucuses are way different than the Republican caucuses. And that's why when people say, Well, who's your number two? It matters. Mm-hmm. Because who's your number two, so in case your number is why one's why I mentioned negative. Sanders
2: and Warren, because their supporters, the other gut person yeah. would likely be their number two.
3: Right? You start coalescing. So the one thing is, uh, Cory Booker, uh, Yang, those supporters, who are their number two? Because Cory is going nowhere. I mean, after Iowa, he's done. Uh, Yang, uh, I don't see him having a lot of traction in Iowa, so his supporters, but who do you go to? And it's not just about who places in the top three, whether that be uh, Buttigieg, Biden, Warren, Sanders. It's also who beats expectations, who beats the odds, and that gives that gives really breath to Klobuchar. I mean, can she rise at that time? Because she just beat expectations. So instead of getting seven percent, she got fourteen percent, and Warren instead of getting fifteen percent, got eleven percent. Expectations has has now, a lot I, to I, build see, into I, this I th- deal. I
2: think. If- I think if Klobuchar gets 14 percent, that's all coming from Joe Biden or Pete Buttigieg, I believe.
3: And I think what you're seeing, Steve, in Iowa right now is you're seeing everybody trying to save Uncle Joe. You're seeing Tom Vilsack come out. I'm endorsing Joe. Former governor of Iowa. You're seeing John Kerry. Probably
2: the last really popular statewide Democrat in Iowa. And and
3: a moderate, most people would say. By
2: today's standards, Yeah. yeah.
3: But you got John Kerry, former nominee, coming out about, you know, we know Joe. You have um, the the congresswoman in the first district, don't even remember her name right now, Finkenauer. She's coming out endorsing Joe Biden. And you're exactly right, Steve. I've looked at the TV commercials with Joe Biden. I'm like, those commercials will hunt. Those mm-hmm. are good commercials. Then I watched them on the local news last night being yeah. at a church. Yeah, And I thought This guy, I'm not sure if he can endure the full campaign.
2: And see, this is where people need to understand the difference between a caucus and a primary. is is It's a lower turnout event. It's more of your activists. It it, the retail politicking is premium. You can't just come into Iowa and drop a few million dollars on the airwaves and and win an Iowa caucus. If you could, Mitt Romney wouldn't have gone 0 for two here. All right, because he outspent everybody else combined. A lot of this really does come down to and 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 this is true for Republicans and Democrats in Iowa. It's more true on the Republican side um, than than it, than it used to be on the, on the Democratic side, because the younger they get on the Democratic side, the more leftist they become. But it still is an, a, a trait. Iowans want to be able to look you in the eye. They want to be able to take their first in the nation status very seriously and they want to be able to say, hey, I knew this candidate. I talked to him. I sat down with him before I made the decision to vote for him. Ads can help you in Iowa, but they can't really clinch anything for you. If you if you don't pass the muster on the stump, it doesn't really matter how much money you spend in yeah, Iowa. Ask as,
3: as Tom Steyer right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not going get, to get above 2%. I don't think people are even jockeying for his voters or his supporters because it's all TV commercials. I think the key is going to be where do Elizabeth Warren voters go? Because I think Warren has been seeing her numbers decline, decline, decline. I saw her out door knocking, looked like she was the only person out door knocking. The other day, you're only door knocking is you know your campaign's desperation status right now. Otherwise, at this point, you're having big crowds in the Iowa caucus, and you're telling all, your, all those supporters, get out and door knock. So if her supporters say, we're going behind Bernie Sanders. Uh, You can see Bernie Sanders, you know, get the uptick on that deal. Um, I just don't know. I I think Joe comes in third. I think it's really between Buttigieg and Sanders at this point and then see where Klobuchar ends up. So
2: I I wanted to also explain to Glenn's audience that in the Democratic side, you have lanes or brackets or factions, you know, um, on the Republican side. You have your evangelicals, your libertarians, the Bush wing okay, um, people that don't care about social issues but are hardcore anti-taxers, right? There's three, four, five of those kinds of lanes, factions on the Republican side. And if you can't win... You know, the way we always broke this down in the cruise campaign is we looked at like an NCAA tournament bracket that it doesn't matter what you whether you think you can win the whole thing. If you don't win that first subregional, you don't get to the next one. Right. Right. And so a lot of candidates come in and they're not sure who their subregional is. And they try to play in too many at once, like Scott Walker. And that doesn't work either. You've got to win one of these subregionals. Right. You've got to be the candidate of the anti-taxers, of the Grover Norquist crowd. You've got to be the candidate of the Bush of the Bush people. You've got to be the candidate of evangelicals. The can the libertarian candidate. Right. If you're not if you're not one of those four, you're not going to be in there with a chance to win this at the end. Same thing exists on the Democratic side. All right. So the way that looks is you have your labor people, but the problem is they're splintered. There's the private labor people who probably, if we put up a lot of legislation across Iowa on social issues that you and I agree on, they'd probably vote. A lot of them would vote with us on those, okay? But they're also dwindling in numbers. There's not as many of those. The the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, like there used to be anymore. Most of your labor people now are your AFSMEs, your teacher unions. These are the hard leftists, okay? So that's one lane. The other lane you've got then are... Um, you know the Leonard. I call this the Leonard Boswell Lane. What's what's left of rural Americana? The Democratic Party that that the Republicans haven't taken over in states like this. All right, people who are moderately pro-life, moderately um, you know uh, conservative on social issues, just believe in a lot of big government uh, uh, programs. That's one lane. Then you've got the suburban lane. All right, and this is the these are people that live in the cul-de-sacs with the coexist bumper stickers, driving their Subarus sorry, Todd and Aaron, um, who (laughs) want to make sure they, 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 yes, eight years ago, they needed you to know I'm not a racist. Now they need you to know I'm not a homophobe. They're just, they're literally just checking virtue signaling boxes that that's, that's what propels them to vote. All right. This is your, this is the the Democrat we had on that, that loves Nancy Pelosi a month ago. What did he call these people? The, the, uh, the, the white woke brigade. Is that what he called them? Yeah, that's who this is, all right? And so you, these are, is there another regional there that I'm missing? Is that pretty much the four, okay?
3: There's, there's only one thing that would unite them, and that is who can beat Donald Trump. And that's the
2: problem. They can't figure out, they don't agree on what will beat Trump, all right? And so Biden said, hey, what will beat Trump is return to normalcy. right? Dignity and honor to the White House. Started running on that last spring. By the time we got through the first debate, he basically wants to shut down the state of Pennsylvania over coal and everything else. He just took all the positions everybody else had. And I mean, Elizabeth Warren tries to come out and say, hey, it's a good thing to kill a terrorist. And then, you know, by the end of the news cycle, now she's totally reversed her position on this. OK, I mean, Bernie Sanders is literally holding a candlelight vigil for the guy. Right. And so they can't come up with what would act, they all say that's the number one thing. But they cannot agree on what that will look like. And that's and, why and that's they, why they're, they're coming, in their
3: lanes. Yeah, and that's why they're flying in to try to save Joe, because mm-hmm. they still think Biden's the one who probably can beat Trump. But they're seeing Biden being Biden. Like, uh, I don't know if this dude can win, though. And that's why Vilsack's coming out and why Finkenauer's coming out. And others are coming out saying, yo, we're going to try to save Joe. Because they see the the person sharing the lane with Joe happens to be Buttigieg. But who happens to be a homosexual married to another homosexual gay dude. And
2: none, none of his ads in Iowa, none of his yeah. messaging is about any of that, by
3: And you, the way. And you know what, Steve? It surprises me. But how many times I'm at lunch, how many times I'm at dinner, how many times we get into conversations with people on the street when the typical Joe on the street goes, he's gay? I mean, he they, had, they had no yeah. idea he's gay. Yep. So does that play in the caucus where people are going, I'm going, Buddhist. I didn't know that about him. Then where do they go?
2: So I think... And this is where I'm going to let you come into the conversation now, because I know you have some thoughts on this, Todd. I think the only person whose position in the top three is secure. Well, I'm going to take that back. I think two people's position in the top three is secure. All right. And here's why that matters. We, we haven't had someone get elected president of the United States that didn't finish in the top three in an Iowa, in a contested Iowa caucus since before we started having them. You know, I think the first one is considered 76, uh, the Ford, Reagan, Jimmy Carter year. Um, So since 1976, no one that didn't finish in the top three in Iowa has won the U.S. presidency. Since 1988, no one that didn't win the Iowa caucus and the Democratic side, that when it was contested, 92 doesn't count because Harkin was running, nobody contested it. So since 1988, when Dick Gephardt won here and Michael Dukakis finished second. That's the last time the winner of the Iowa caucus did not win the Democratic nomination for president. All right. So, so it matters. It does matter. When people tell you that it doesn't matter, they're wrong. They're, they're just in states where they're jealous. Um, only once as someone that didn't finish in the top three ever. And won the Republican nomination, that was John McCain, who finished tied for fourth and out of third place by like eight tenths of a decimal point or something. All right. Statistical anomaly. It does matter. There's two candidates. I believe their place in the top three is guaranteed because they've won their lane. Bernie Sanders is going to finish in the top three. I agree. He's the Ron Paul of their party. His insurgents are showing up no matter if the weather's 50 like it is today or 50 below on February the 3rd. It's why his numbers have gone up since he had a heart attack. His campaign was drifting off into space. The, after he had a heart attack, his, his supporters are like, dude, we may not have this guy much longer. We got to, the window's closing. We got to act now. Okay. The other person is Buttigieg. Yep. And the reason why is he won the suburban lane. He won that lane. All right. So you're the white suburbanites that, uh, that you go to church, your mega churches with who are like, well, I don't know. Maybe a woman should have a right to choose types. They're all voting for him. All right. It's just a matter of what the weather is like that day and how many of those he can turn out. Do we all agree on that so far? Oh, yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah, I would agree. I've been those talking are the top about this two. for months. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yep. All right. So those two have a position in the top three. Now, that being said, I think the rest is fluid. Todd, your thoughts?
0: I agree. And I called my shot yesterday just uh, for fun. If I had to pick now, and I picked uh, Klobuchar finishing third. And that's, uh, I think that's where Warren's votes. Are largely gonna go. There that in that caucus, there has got to be a woman. They are not gonna forsake that when this is a very as it is, we're not very diverse in this party could by their own standards. And at post-Hillary, we've discussed this on the show before. That excited about making sure somebody is in this race. And they don't this this is this caucus. By definition, people go to caucus. They, they 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 tend to know more data. They they know Joe Biden how well he's doing in South Carolina. They know he's fairly likely to do well in no, uh, out there in New Hampshire. And in general, they don't care about what other people think of them. They are going to make this competitive by putting forward people they believe to be true progressives, the heart of the future. And uh, uh, and uh, Klobuchar, she's a gal. And, and there's if Warren can't, Warren's strength was preserved because she was a woman first and foremost. She's failing. She's falling apart. A lot of that, some may go to Bernie, but a lot of it is going to go to Klobuchar if Klobuchar remains like, I don't know what she's going to say see, or do is, tomorrow.
2: I, I agree with everything you just said about Warren. I don't agree that klobuchar will be the reward
3: if klobuchar gets third that's seismic i mean and i so don't if I, if I don't i do see that gets
2: third joe biden's not finishing in the top three. Right. Right? i know i think i think i think if if i think bernie sanders it, it's again look at the lines just as when bernie sanders was 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 declining early in the middle of last year who was rising Elizabeth Warren, yep. as who now that Elizabeth Warren's declining, who is rising? Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. That's where a good portion of his voters are going to go on caucus night, or her voters if she, if you guys are all right that she's that she's toast here. That's where a good portion of her voters are going to go. But
0: Bernie's not really rising; he's just everybody else
2: is flailing or falling. His polling his- has improved tremendously over the last four months. Go look at his numbers prior to his heart attack. He was polling in the single digits in Iowa, for example. He was not winning New Hampshire. His polling has improved. His numbers have improved dramatically, dramatically.
3: So let me ask you this. Bloomberg. Bloomberg believes he's the guy to step in and say, Biden, you're done. Let me take this lane. Bloomberg, I don't believe, does anything in the Iowa caucuses. I believe he doesn't. I mean, his numbers, I think, will be dismal in the Iowa caucuses. He just put down an unprecedented ad buy nationwide the guy's not a, I mean, you think what you want about Bloomberg, but he's not a dumb guy. What does he see that I don't see for his candidacy? I, I'm thinking it's way too late for him to get in unless he believes that the party establishment will now rally around him because Joe does take fourth behind a Klobuchar uh, in the Iowa Well, caucus. First of all,
2: you and I have been around maybe not guys this wealthy, but we've been around some very wealthy guys. <laughs> all right? They think differently than than we tend to. And they tend to think the reason they're that wealthy often is because they think they're often the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Right.
3: And they can buy anything they want.
2: Yes. So that that so that's that's the opening salvo. The other game is to, I think, I think he probably thinks he's playing two different games here at once. Number one, that that he can craft a national narrative that beginning right now that he thinks could defeat Donald Trump in the fall. And that and that's one contribution. Number two, that this thing goes to a brokered convention. And there's going to have to be some kind of a. And is there a potential to be some kind of a compromise candidate out there? So I begin running. I'm not running in Iowa. I'm not running in any of these states. I'm running a national race right now to win in Milwaukee in, at the end of July. That that that's that's my only path to being this nominee. Is I've essentially got to go over the let the rest of these minor leaguers who have got no chance to beat Trump sit there and, and out-communist one another. So, I'm running right now to win the delegates on the floor with all Democrats in the country watching in Milwaukee at the end of July. I'm running for that audience.
3: So let me ask you this question. So I think this happens. How badly wounded is Joe Biden when he takes fourth or fifth he's done. in the Iowa caucus? He's caucuses? done in Iowa. Because he's I, done. I believe yeah. he will take fourth or fifth in Iowa. He, he, he
2: won't I, survive that. He's done if yeah. that happens.
3: And I think even when you're starting to see everybody come on in, I think they're seeing it too. Bob, good stuff.
2: Hour two. Top 10 (laughs) predictions for 2020 are next. Stay tuned. We are back with our number two, live and on demand, but not much in demand around here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here too. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, thank you. If you wouldn't mind uh, leaving us a five-star review, we would say thank you again because the more of those we get, the more people like you, the algorithms help us to find, and the more likely we are to get to continue to fool people into paying us to do this for another year. So thank you to the thousands of you that have left us one of those five-star reviews, consider leaving us four, five, six more. I have no idea whether that's permitted or not, but let's find out together. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program, D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Hour number two brought to you by our friends over at Candid who want you to know there's big news here for the new year and that this is the year for you to get your teeth straightened with Candid clear aligners. If you're looking to do that, if you're unhappy with your smile, self-conscious about where you stand and how you look in photos recommending here that you check out Candid they deliver clear aligners directly to you that straighten your teeth for 65% less than what braces cost and unlike braces Candid clear aligners are comfortable removable and totally invisible so you can transform your smile without anyone ever noticing a thing plus you never have to set foot in a doctor's office or a waiting room your treatment is prescribed remotely by a licensed orthodontist and Candid delivers everything you need right to your door from there. And unlike other camp companies, Candid only works with orthodontists, not just general dentist practitioners here, all right, with specialists, with 20 years of experience on average. So if you are ready to take the first step towards a new you and straighter teeth and a smile that you can't wait to show off, for a limited time, we can get you started with $75 off, $75 off by using code Y, promo code Y, W-H-Y at candidco.com slash Y. Candidco, C-A-N-D-I-D-C-O dot com slash Y and that will get you $75 off to get started right now at candidco.com slash Y. Hour number two is underway here and I'm about to unveil my top ten predictions for the new year. And I was telling Todd before the show today, Aaron, there's a reason that you didn't get these until last night. Oh, really? Okay. And I'm just so you guys know how I'm wired, I am typically the kind of person when I've got a day off or time off. And I've got stuff around to do around the house or errands to run, things to catch up on, maybe some straggling things at work that during the daily grind of a, typical schedule I can't get to. And so this is the time to get caught up. I'm the kind of person that all the responsible stuff needs to be done first before I can relax and have fun. That's just the way my mind works. The, 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 the responsibilities have got to be met. Obligations have got to be realized. And then I can, I can chill. So I, I wanted to get you these predictions earlier. I tried to, there were at least four times I sat down on my computer, including, the very first day off I had after we got done for the year where I'm like, all right, let's get these done. And every time I sit down to write these out, I, I couldn't get there.
0: You are being broken on so many fronts these days. (laughs) I couldn't do it. To quote Cuba Gooding Jr. And I dig that about you.
2: (laughs) And this is one of my favorite columns to write every year. I love it predictive modeling it's part of what i, I, I do for a living this it's the fun pr- to do for me you know um, some of you think genealogy's fun in your spare time and stuff or working in the garage predictive modeling is fun for me all right and i tried and i you know at first i thought it's just writer's block man i maybe I've, i just got to relax and then i realized you know what it is i can't tune into this frequency i i i i have to I'm not yet. I'm. I have to be willing to see the environment for what it is, not what I think it is, and I got to let it change the way I'm. I'm thinking because I, I have discussed things and gone places these last couple of years. I I never would anticipated we would go and discuss things I I never thought we would discuss
0: plus in your and you're good at it, in your sports prognosticating world which you're you've got to be like what 55 percent sure yep. here and, and, and po- politically speaking to be responsible you should have been something close to 50 now it's like if you feel like this is a 10 percent shot you got to consider that yeah, in this market I, and I, that's hard
2: to do for you i agree i mean i go back we were just having the conversation with bob vanderplotz carrying it during the break continuing to talk about what's going on in the Iowa caucuses. And we were talking about Amy Klobuchar and what path she may try to chart here to be a dark horse these last few weeks. And I mentioned, I said, well, you know, maybe unless she thinks she has a shot at Warren's base, then maybe she'll decide to start talking like, Oh, who's the gal from California? I, I thought she had a real chance to win this thing six months ago. And I, I couldn't remember Kamala Harris's name. You had to tell me what it was. That is just a snapshot of what I'm dealing with right now. So how do I do this? Because the way my mind works also is the fact Christianity is not a religion predicated on a series of propositions or creeds but on the objective historical fact of whether Christ walked out of that tomb on the third day or not. Did he do that? If he did not do that, no need to read any further and go ahead and figure things out from there. If he did do that though, you need to read everything from this point forward and take it very seriously, right? Yeah. But you know what I love about that though? Is before we get to the creeds and theologies. I need data convincing. I need I need an established fact before I get to your particular spin on what these facts mean. and And I've operated in this business and very successfully, frankly, for a kid born to a 15 year old mom from Iowa, utilizing that right. thought process throughout my career. And now I have to be willing though. To accept that things can occur I would have never thought had any chance whatsoever to happen. I mean, there there remember Michael Evanetti? Remember Who? him? Exactly. So for about six months, he was omnipresent in America. Just because he represented Stormy Daniels and would and would say whatever the media wanted to say to attack Trump that day, right? And then It comes out that the guy's a you know a a, a sleaze bucket. Basically,
0: we spent a segment on the show vetting him as a possible Democratic presidential candidate. He had
2: come to Iowa to give a massive speech at a Democratic Party event. In fact, I think it was their well, they don't call it the Jefferson Jackson Dinner now because they're too racist. Okay, so whatever they were calling it wasn't like the keynote or one of them, right? That's why we did that. Yeah. And now his client Stormy Daniels is suing him now. Well, he is in federal court as we speak. A lot of you have forgotten about him. And the only reason he's on my radar is he's in federal court right now because they're charging him with attempting to extort Nike. And irony of ironies, he has, he has put a filing in, in, in federal court saying, I can present evidence that Nike was involved in paying players under the table unreported income while they were amateurs, at the same or greater rate than Adidas and all the schools you just took to federal court last year, I can present this evidence. And the U.S. government is filing a counter brief saying, eh, we don't care. Michael Evanetti, of all people, now suddenly wants to present and provide facts when they, they, they got him on cable news every night without having any and now suddenly the government's like, yeah, we don't want him Ricky Gervais is Ezekiel right now it's true <laughs> it's true that's not Michael Scott from The Office GIF. It's true. It's true. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna discuss him in our overtime, our first overtime of the year after the show today for our Blaze TV subscribers. It's gonna be a reaction to Ricky Gervais. I want to have his children right now. All right. This, these times are nuts, and my brain is just not wired to go. To certain places, it's just not. But that doesn't mean I I I I have an excuse to not, though react affirmatively to the environment that I am in to some degree. You're clutching
0: the dude code hard right now. It's like you're like you you know you have to yes.
2: You cannot walk away from this. Is there enough? If I put enough disclaimers on these, I believe so. This is a long-winded way of saying it, it took me 18 days to finally sit down and and think I could possibly do this and have, cause here's the thing too with me. If I don't have any chance of being right, I'm not interested because I'm a guy. If I don't, you know, all men, we all operate on a fight and flight or a fight or flight mechanism, right? We will fight, 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 fight until we think there's a chance to win. And then what will we do the minute we realize I can't win? What will we do? Move on to a fight. We think we can win. We don't just sit there and lose. That's not how dudes operate. Right? And so I, Finally, it was just really the the acknowledgement. If if we had a couple more days of vacation, I had not gotten these written last night. It was only the realization that I've got to do this right now. I got I, I've got to stand and deliver now. It's the day I'm on deadline. These are tomorrow. That I was finally able to get myself to sit down and do this for a couple of hours yesterday.
0: And thus, you're in compliance with the dude code, even if you go all for ten, because this could be you realize your 0 for 10 may be glorious. And, it, and if you go 3 for 10, it may be like absolutely, utterly, you know, through the veil kind of stuff if it's the right 3 for 10. So,
2: so I, I know that when we, when we show you these, several of them you're probably going to be like, that's really not that nuts. But you need to know, this was nuts for me. <laughs> All right? It was kind of, several, several of these were nutty for me counterintuitive to how I typically think, operate, and analyze. And without further ado, are you ready to begin? Because you've not seen these yet, right? No, I have not.
1: Aaron, you have seen these. I have. Do you have a a big picture preview thought, et cetera, about these? Um, I I will just say that there's only one of these that I really, really care about, and you're probably going to figure out what that is within the next 30 to to 60 seconds or so.
2: Because it's the very first one. Yeah.
1: Let's begin. My
2: first big prediction for 2020 is the Kansas City Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. Something this franchise has not done since Hank Stram was matriculating his way down the field. In the, in the first Super Bowl played post-NFL-AFL merger, right? Super Bowl three with Joe Namath and the Jets is considered to be the game that, that forced the merger to happen. Super Bowl four was the first one after the merger. And the Kansas City Chiefs posted a huge upset over the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Haven't even been to the Super Bowl, actually, since then. Yeah. So why is this counterintuitive for me? Because what do I believe in in sports almost as much as anything, Eric? The Madden curse. The Madden curse. So right away, I'm, I'm setting a trend. All right? You are going... I normally go tomato. I'm going tomato. Okay? I do not mess with the Madden curse last year. In your fantasy league, I was given a team that had Antonio Brown on it, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And what did I do because he was on the cover of the Madden game? Yeah. I traded him. Traded him and got DeAndre Hopkins, who actually ended up scoring more points last year than Antonio Brown. That is how seriously I believe in this. One player ever has overcome the Madden cover jinx. And it was Tom Brady. No other player has overcome the Madden cover curse. And so right away, I am setting, I'm, I'm laying a marker down. All right? I'm zagging instead of zigging, okay? And I'm saying, Pat Mahomes, first of all, he's got to overcome the Andy Reid curse. Because Andy Reid is like Bill Belichick from, yep. ja- from, from, from March in the beginning of the offseason to the end of the regular season around New Year's every year. He's like Bill Belichick's equal. And then like when we get to January, he becomes Marty Morningwick this has happened is it, the one year they did make the super bowl with the eagles but he has been renowned for playoff failures so i am going against two an, of my own analytics here don't trust Andy Reid in the playoffs don't go against the madden cover jinx the kansas city chiefs win the super bowl todd
0: i love this pick for, uh, I, I, aaron like three weeks ago and i we were just talking and i so the the way the Chiefs are just kind of uh flying under the radar, the Patriot thing cast aside, everybody obsessed with the Ravens. I think it looks good for them. And more importantly, I I totally agree. This is not uh you you're not just boilerplating for effect there. I like how this was like your test case, your test run to see if you yep. could pull the band-aid off. It's no small—I'm very—I'm proud of you in the same way I'm proud of Chris Pandolfo for giving up on Star Wars recently. Well done.
2: The Steve Dace way of typically doing this is to, A, if there's an overwhelming favorite, just understand that the data says they're the overwhelming favorite, and they should be. Or, B, look for the value play. Like, say, the New Orleans Saints, who—I didn't start writing these until after they lost— their game yesterday, but that would be the typical way of me looking for a team with a proven quarterback, right. Against other teams like the 49ers that, and, and Vikings and that haven't had a lot of success recently in the playoffs. And right. That's because that's typically the kind of play that I would make. That's how I made the Washington nationals 22 to one pick to win the world series ticket. That paid off for me, the team under the radar with the pitching staff. That I can get good numbers on. Nope. No, nah, I'm just, Andy Reid's a genius. And uh, the Madden cover jinx, I don't know what that is. Uh, Pat Mahomes, go. Yep. Pick number one. Bravo. I'm good with that. Okay. My next of my top 10 predictions for 2020, and I hope I didn't break my mouse.
1: Um, Soul
2: will be the number one grossing movie at the domestic box office. And this is a pure zeitgeist play. Number one, if you look at the landscape of, you know, this past year, you, it was, you had Lion King coming back, you had Aladdin coming back, you had another, you had the, another Star Wars movie, you had Avengers Endgame. I mean, we had, we had proven franchises rolling, coming back into the theaters in 2019. We don't really have that in 2020. We, we can, for example, the biggest movie franchise returning is another Fast and Furious movie. And then depending on what you think of Wonder Woman as a franchise, whether you think the first Wonder Woman movie was great, but it, the jury is still out on it as a franchise, okay? Particularly because this is not your typical sequel. We're fast-forwarding here 75 or 70 years or whatever into the 80s, all right? And in the trailer, the love interest who was killed in the first movie at World War I is suddenly alive, and they haven't really explained why, Right? So it it doesn't even strike you as a traditional sequel. So this is not a year. Disney's kind of, you know, Mulan is like its biggest event movie. That trailer does look really good, but it's not considered like a top 10 all time. Snow White, Bambi, Lion King, Disney classic. This is a year for an outlier. So I'm going to gamble here on a Pixar as a studio. They have been, The goose just, they just open a butt cheek and squeeze off golden tickets, man. I mean, they are the goose that lays the golden egg from a Midas touch standpoint. Secondly, the the subject matter of this movie, what it's about, sort of taking, they're the studio that did Inside Out several years ago that was a massive hit about the emotions that go on inside our head. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Going now to the next level, Eternity the human soul. This is a culture crying out. That's why everything's apocalyptic. Everything's the end crying out for existential meaning. So the studio that invented itself with toy story, I'm going to gamble on its ability to tell those sorts of meta narratives. And that by tackling the most meta narrative of them all, that this is, this is, this is a hanging curve ball to the spirit of the age.
0: I've never even heard of this movie. I know. And when I saw Soul, I thought it was more about the Soul South. I, I, it, no, this it's is... about
2: the human soul. That's what it's about. Has there been a trailer for this? I... It, yes, but they have not fully begun promoting it. It comes out in July, I believe. It's Pixar's big summer release I... this year. And it's about the human there's soul.
0: No, I love it because there's no way you would have... A year ago, you would have said there's no way... Hollywood can do this right, and it's going to bomb. But I like where your head's at on this.
1: Yeah, and it is—it is about soul, as in like jazz. But it's primarily about what you yes. said. So what it is about—it's—it's it's a double meaning. It's a double yeah. meaning, oh, okay. but ultimately, but it's, it's about us. About,
0: About—it's
2: yeah. about rescuing a soul that's trapped. Okay. That, that's ultimately, yeah. What yeah it's I thought about.
0: I, that might. I mean, the, the guy look—he looked like a guy who would play jazz. So that's what—that's what I was
2: thinking. But yeah, uh, I'm fascinated now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that movie as well.
2: All right. Next pick. My top 10 predictions for 2020. Four different people will win the first four states of the Democrat presidential primary to set off a free-for-all for the nomination. Now, I know I just said last hour that if Joe Biden finishes fourth, he's done as a candidate if he finishes fourth in Iowa. And I still believe that. But again, I'm trying to figure out what is the, what is something I'd never normally predict that I could reasonably make some form of crazy rear-ended, you know, explanation for. And this would be it. This has never happened before. We've never seen four different candidates. We have seen people win the three different people win the first three, but we've never seen four different people win the first four. And so I'm going to predict Pete Buttigieg wins Iowa mainly because I have to make this prediction right now because it's the first of the year, but I could see me having a different uh, official caucus pick the night before the event. I'm going to predict Bernie Sanders wins New Hampshire, Joe Biden's black voter firewall holds in South Carolina, and Elizabeth Warren rallies the angry mob in the Nevada Nevada caucuses, which are just a poop show, okay? Okay. That's my next pick. Four different candidates win the first four races.
0: It's fantastic. And then the only thing I would disagree with was Elizabeth Warren. Um, But uh, yeah, absolutely. And that, which is why um, it's, you you have got to look at then the personalities and their potential within that chaos all differently. And i.e. having more potential than you would have, Ever thought possible like Steve your thing that drove all of us nuts but uh um the best third place ever with um Marco Rubio with Marco Rubio yeah you're gonna see the grandest fourth places ever and third places yes. ever time and time and time again because nobody believes that Joe is what they needed Joe to be nobody believes any of these are really checking enough boxes of intersectionality so he will go on for quite some time
1: Aaron, your thoughts. Yes. And I who knows? Something somebody completely off of our radars right now could could want win one of these as well. I, I think it is I think it's even more fluid um than maybe even what you think. And I think you think it's pretty pretty fluid at least here in Iowa. Mm-hmm. I think anything, I mean it's it's like my slogan from one of my favorite uh, fast food Mexican restaurants, uh, tasty tacos, nada es imposible. I mean, nothing <laughs> is impossible. so that's that's where I'm at. because here's the thing the the
2: political predictions that you, that are gonna make up the bulk of the rest of this now. What finally got me to sit down and be able to just get because I've also getting into a flow as a writer. Like the first thing I need to come up with anytime I write a book or a column is the title. I just you know I've I've got to I've, I've got to have the premise nailed. I can't just begin and then go back. Other people can do that. That's not the way my mind works. Step one has to be mastered before we take the next few steps. And so I've I've got to have an I've got to have a meta. I can't just randomly just you know fire a buckshot into a. Crowded room. I've, I, this has got to, I need, there's got to be a tapestry here. There's got to be a a, a, a a framework that we're heading towards.
0: And people would think that's weird, but knowing you and getting to watch you now up close over the years, that's, people would think, well, you're riffing all the time and you don't need right. show prep, but it's right. because you basically have that meta in all yes. things. Yes. Why you can seem like you're riffing on everything and anything. Yes.
2: I, I can, I can, I've got to have my Kevin Feige yeah. bullet board. Okay. Once you give me that board and tell me where I can't go and where we must go, but I can do anything I want in between, the rest of it I can just riff off the, uh, but, but I need that initial structure in place. I got to have that, 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 that plumb line, that cornerstone, right? And I got, it got me to thinking yesterday when I was, when I started to sit down to finally write these. Given that it would actually be the most logical thing for me to do to react to what I've actually seen in the 2020 race so far than to impose any past precedent or understanding of processes into this race. And what have I seen so far? I've seen two things. I've seen a, a democratic field that is very fluid. Mainly because they're, the only thing they care about is beating Donald Trump and they cannot come to an agreement on what is necessary to do that. Is it a hard left ideology? Is it some form of a return to normalcy? What is it? I can't they they can't figure that out. And that's why the field is so fluid. So that's number 1. And you and the fluidity is factored in in this prediction for different people because because no one's going to feel good about an openly gay who's not really gay enough for most of them because he he has a better radio voice than I do. When you hear him talk, okay, he sounds like your typical alpha male, not like he's, not, not, he, he, Pete Buttigieg has not come across as the charge of the light and the loafers brigade. He comes across and sounds like a guy you, you watched the ball game with at the sports bar yesterday, all right, and couldn't believe the Saints got robbed again, right? That, that's what he looks and sounds like most of the time. Well, that, that's good enough for a lot of normal people, but we're not dealing with normal people. I mean, it, it, the fact he's not shaving his head and and dyeing it in a rainbow, man, means he might as well be Dave Rubin to them, okay? So him winning here is not going to make anybody feel good because he's not gay enough on one hand, and on the other hand, he's still gay, so they know he can't win. And so that's going to... that If you think this thing is fluid now, Pete Buttigieg wins Iowa, it's almost like... We literally just put all of the, of, of the, of the, of the bingo balls in the, you know, back, we just put bingo things back in the bag and we're just, just reshuffle the deck. We're starting all over again. That, that's what it's going to be. A mayor of a podunk town who only wins because he's gay, but he's not gay enough to satisfy the, 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 the the rainbow jihad. We actually need to mobilize. He's too normal. That's not going to please anybody. It's going to be like the lesbian kiss scene at the end of the rise of Skywalker. No one is pleased. Everyone's equally offended, no matter what position they take on that particular scene. All right. That's the, that lesbian kiss scene at the end of the rise of Skywalker is the Pete Buttigieg campaign for Democrats nationally too gay and not gay enough at the exact same time. So no one's happy. You didn't check the box and you still made my kids cry at the same time. That's Pete Buttigieg, right? Yeah, okay. So this thing, the raffle's going to start, it's going to be like if he wins Iowa, it's going to be like these last 8 months never occurred and everything's going to start all over again in New Hampshire because the machine's going to panic. And we're going to control all delete, I believe. Are you with me on this so far? That's going to be great. I agree. It'll be masterful to watch. So that's the first thing we've seen. And and because how many of these reboots have we seen in this process already? Bernie Sanders was in single digits as a heart attack. Now he's surging. Joe Biden had the highest general election poll numbers we'd ever seen or, or national poll numbers we've ever seen from a, in an open primary in March. Now we're talking about him finishing fourth in Iowa. Maybe Elizabeth Warren seemed like the, the fait accompli. She had one brush with honesty and has been um, in a stage of decomposition ever since. All right. Kamala Harris knifes, I mean, neck to neck, knifes Joe Biden on national TV, and then just decides that to, that the cue she should get from that is to become another race-baiting goofball. I, I Okay. So then the the most logical prediction then is to predict more illogic, right? Yes. Okay. More in a moment. Let's continue on with my 10 big predictions for the year 2020 we left off with me predicting four different people will win the first four states in the Democrat presidential primary to set off a free-for-all for the nomination. That leads right into my next prediction. For the first time since Ted Kennedy took Jimmy Carter all the way to a second vote on the convention floor in 1980, there will be a truly brokered convention for a presidential nomination first time since 1980 your thoughts todd meaning no one has the requisite number of delegates needed to clinch the nomination before the convention here
0: on this day i think that's a, that's actually a safe pick uh, but but a proper one i know i reserve the right to change my mind as do you a week from now but I, Absolutely. Uh, there's no reason to believe right now that any one of these guys is going to grab the zeitgeist.
2: Aaron?
1: I think this is this is like a parlay in, in any form of betting. You've got to have that first one come through, and then you need ne- the next one, and then you'll see the rest of Steve's predictions as well. But I think this is as likely, though, as, as anything. Even if that first prediction a- actually doesn't come true, this could still happen yeah. very easily. And so I, I, don't, I don't know, though. Here's the thing. At some point, I just believe as much in the establishment of any party— Resting control and getting what they want. They don't want this. Nobody. I don't think anybody in the Democratic Party really wants this to go to a brokered convention because then, then it just might be out of their control. I, I think if there's one thing we know about the establishment in either party, they want they want to at least be able to pull some sw- uh, strings and be able to massage things to kind of get their outcome that they want somehow, some way. I think this is simultaneously. Just as likely as anything to happen, but at the same time, it's one of the hardest things to believe, if that makes sense at all.
2: Sure. I mean, you haven't seen it in your lifetime, for yep, example. Yep, they've, yep. they've all been infomercials in your entire lifetime, right? Yep. In fact, in 1976 and 1980, we had brokered conventions back-to-back. In 1976, we had one in between uh, Gerald Ford and Ronald Reagan. That went all the way to the convention floor, and then you had one in 1980. And, and that was kind of the end of the brokered convention era because they were pretty much all brokered conventions. You know, for the first century or so, a lot of these nominations and stuff were decided on the floor at that moment. Um, so I, I get that. But I think the fact, I, I, I think what we've seen is evidence that this is out of the Democratic Party establishment's hands. Totally out of their hands. I mean, you've got Tom Perez out there saying we're socialists now. I, I think I think, I think, think the Democratic Party establishment is, good, is, is more concerned about making sure it survives than okay. having control. Right. Interesting. Which brings me to my next couple of picks. A move will be made. I agree there will be a last gasp here by whatever the Democratic establishment is. A move will be made to nominate Michelle Obama as the compromise candidate for president at the brokered Democrat convention in Milwaukee, but she will turn it down. It is one thing. It sounds really nice when they come to you and say, you're the anointed one. It's another thing, though, when you realize the price for that is you have to leave that 70,000-square-foot um, mansion you all just bought on Martha's Vineyard, whatever it was, and and take a pelting from Donald Trump every day that ends in Y for the next five months. And then you might even lose after that.
0: Nah. <laughs> no,
2: no. Uh, that's not how celebrity progressives work. It's always for the... But for me, not for thee. Besides, she can just go on Ellen anytime she wants and Oprah anytime she wants and get to say whatever she wants, whenever she wants and get celebrated for it and a whole nother slew of speaking engagements for seven figures a piece booked for it and not have to take anything from Donald Trump and his minions for for, the, for doing exactly that. So I think they will attempt to go to her as their white whale, but she will say... Thank you. I'm honored at the adulation and attention, but um, in the end, I'm a progressive. I don't I don't get my hands dirty for other people.
0: I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't think you would have said this a year ago. So I think you're being true to your your new predictive self. I love it.
1: Yes, and that's this is, I mean, her last name is Obama. Uh, She is the uh, she's even more of a unicorn possibly than her husband is. As far as fitting in on the intersectionality, uh, totem pole, and uh, just kind of a a match made in heaven, if you will. But uh, as I think we'll see this year on so many fronts, because of our theme, things are not how they seem just because this seems like a perfect fit that does not mean that hey you want to uh, sacrifice your nice uh, posh lifestyle living out your uh, out the remaining years uh, traveling the world with your husband, lecturing people about how to uh, mm-hmm. be woke while not you know while scolding them for being too woke uh, and you know living in your in your multi-million dollar houses and things of that nature that's I mean if you were Michelle Obama would you want that? Uh, heck no you've made your millions at least not right now. Um, so I, 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 think, I think this is as, again, any of these, this is how crazy this year is. Any of these are just as likely and not as likely to happen as the next. There are none of these, I think, that are like a 1% or less than a percent chance of happening.
2: The Obamas didn't buy that that pricely pad so that then they have to come down from on high and shake hands with you folks in Cuyahoga County, Ohio. <laughs> no, they don't care about you. So before we get to these next couple of picks, I said that I what got me going yesterday was to just acknowledge the two trends I've seen more than any other. We already talked about one, right? The fluidity of this race, right? Sure. Here's the other thing we saw. No normalcy permitted. No self-awareness. No self-reflection. Um, it's all id or nothing. And it got me to thinking, since since that's what I saw all throughout 2019 where Joe Biden now wants to shut down the state of Pennsylvania and we all go to jail for being Christians like everybody else. where the one candidate who's pretty much just as left as every, as the rest of them are Tulsi Gabbard puts her finger in the air and says, um, have you guys considered we can't beat Trump if everybody whose votes we need thinks we hate them. And you know, now she's a queen without a country, right? Why would I think That now, if that's what the lead-up was, why would I think that now... Am am I going where you want me to go? Are you liking this, Erzin? All the fist bumps. Okay. Why would I think that now, when the masses, when the unwashed get involved, we're suddenly going to act like the adults have arrived? Why would I do that? Excellent. Does Does that make any sense at all? None. None. Hence, these next couple of predictions. No sense makes all the sense. Yes. The Democrats will nominate Bernie Sanders for president at their brokered convention. There's only two ways to win at a brokered convention. Todd's over here. You're like, I've never been more prouder, of, never prouder of you than I, I am right now.
0: I said he, months ago he was the most likely one to win, and you looked at me. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard.
2: Because it should be. (laughs) It should be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It should be. But alas, it's not. There's two ways to win at a brokered convention, folks. One is your everybody's second cuddly choice. Do you see a second cuddly choice here? And I don't see one, particularly if we have the fluidity in the early states that I'm predicting. They're going to be knifing each other on the regular bro on the regular on the regular and then this is wisconsin man the state where the mobocracy was born to get rid of scott walker so we're gonna go to we're gonna go and and have our convention with the mobocracy as the jury and now we're gonna camp now we're gonna go to camp Cudley pines I don't think so. No, no. Again, it's what they should do. It's what they should do. But I am simply going to make predictions based on what they are actually doing. All right? So here's the other way you win at a convention. The triumph of the will, if you know what I'm saying. There's another little historical reference for you. My boot to your throat. Who's better at that? than Bernie Sanders and when you get the mobocracy born in Wisconsin on one hand merging with America's Soviet candidate for president on the other oh this will be the convention of you will be made to care yes you will yes you will all be made to care and Bernie Sanders will become their nominee at their brokered convention. Todd,
0: I'm swooning, man. I'm swooning. This is, uh, I, I, there's, he is inevitable. And to some degree, he, in terms of uh, you, he should not be in the ballpark. But he was always going to be in the ballpark. It's
2: like everybody, nobody really believed the Antichrist until he had that fake death, right? Mm. And he had faked his coming back from the dead, right? When Carpathia pulled that off. The guy was dead as a candidate until you thought he might die with a heart attack, and now he's the rocket man. Yeah,
0: and whereas Ron Paul, you know, yeah, we got a lot further than you ever thought we would, and that was a nice run and got some ideas out there. Last, that's not how they thought about Bernie Sanders. No,
2: these are the Visigoths. They're here. They're not here to move the conversation along. They're here to put a boot to your throat. And in that hall, in those tight quarters. And you've got, you've got whatever's left of the Democrat establishment and Hillary Clinton out there saying, guys, we got to be realistic. I'm going to show you Clintons and Obamas what realistic looks like, <laughs> all right? And it starts with a hammer and a sickle. That's what realistic looks like. Because the people that are going to be in that convention hall are the folks crying the night Trump won. And he is going to be their siren's song, which brings me to my next pick. Bernie Sanders will name Nevada U.S. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto as as his running mate, the first ever Latina elected to the U.S. Senate. Because you would think, boy, I'm, I'm a you know, I represent a disparate faction. In this party, I just won the nomination at a brokered convention. I need a unity ticket here, right? You, Right, right. Mm-hmm. So I got to put like Amy Klobuchar or somebody like that, right, right. No, you don't. Bernie Sanders did not remain on the wrong side of history all these decades to now that he is king of the hill, suddenly decided for some perestroika. Oh, no, no. We're going to double down. We're going to triple down, right? So we're just going to get essentially Ocasio-Cortez's grandmother yes. mm-hmm. and put her on the ticket. That's it. That's what we're going to do. That's what I was thinking.
0: You're going to you're going to put a member of the club or the what are they called? The clan, the, yep. whoever they are, uh, but without that already built-in heavy bag, it's going to be the same thing. Though. Former
2: culture-warring uh, attorney general, trial lawyer, first Latina. Yeah. Yep. That's what you're going to do. Yep. Next prediction. Sensing the Democrat Party is in disarray and unable to count on it to beat Trump conventionally, the so-called deep state will go all in to do whatever it takes to stop Trump from, from winning re-election. I'll give you some examples. I think you will see unprecedented disruptions of our foreign policy. Well, Steve, we've already seen that. No, I, I don't think you're going to see anonymous sources now. Like the, the folks who went down to that impeachment hearing and testified, I'm here to impeach Trump because he went against my foreign policy wishes. They're going they're going to be out and proud, openly leaking classified material and doing it for America. OK, out in the open, attempting to they're going to warn the next Iranian high command target in public. Hey, yes, they're coming for you. Hide. Yep. And, and they're, they're going to do it in the open. They're going to write pieces for Vox and the Washington Post saying this is what's coming. And I would not be shocked if you saw the Federal Reserve in the third quarter of next year, unless the economy slows down on its own, do something with rates or something they could contrive to try to knife the economic situation to end a Trump presidency as well. This is a prediction I hate making. It goes against every fiber of my being to make predictions like this. But but the biggest fiber in my being is to admit what I've actually seen and experienced. And this is the stuff we've actually seen and experienced. We're just gonna, as Todd likes to quote the great prophets at Spinal Tap, we're now just gonna dial this thing up to thirty-eight. That's they, all. Because they're way past eleven. They
0: can't help themselves. You saw did you see what Chuck Todd did with with Noah's Ark on his yes. own? I mean, they can't yep. help themselves.
2: Two more predictions for this year. Iran and North Korea will form a formal strategic alliance whose primary intent is to destabilize U.S. foreign policy across the globe, and it will be launched and exercised in a way to try to impact the outcome of the presidential election this year. Uh, That's
0: like... when we were talking about Bernie Sanders and what shouldn't happen, both are crazy, but they're such a different brand of crazy that this should not really be possible in anything but a kind of tangential sort of way. But I'm not—I'd be lying about everything I stand for in terms of believing the crazy voices in your head to say that this is nuts,
1: Aaron. Yes, I, and I think you know—I I, I think they might. They might fancy themselves uh, what uh, what Putin always fancies himself as, which is uh, yeah, I, we can we can uh, we can try to meddle a little bit. Uh, they or at least what Putin is seen as anyway. I think that's that's as likely. Um, probably not as likely as the last prediction, prediction number three or uh, the number three prediction of the year. But I think it's I think it's fairly likely. My
2: final prediction for two thousand and twenty. Donald Trump will be re-elected president with more popular votes and electoral college votes than he received the last time. Now, historically, presidents have been re-elected in America right about 70% of the time. Only twice has a president been re-elected with fewer popular and electoral college votes Uh, since we went to the two-party system. That's only happened twice in American history. Both times were during world wars. Pardon me, World War I and World War II. So obviously the turnout's an outlier there. All right. So I think you're going to see in response to everything I just pointed out, you're going to see, unless the economy tanks, I think you're going to see states like Minnesota and Colorado flip red later this year in response to Bernie Sanders being the nominee because he's going to force everything that they really want and believe out into the open. And they want it out in the open. Remember Elizabeth Warren doomed herself as a candidate by being open and honest about Medicare for all. They want a large existential conversation. They they don't want to sell you the undercoating anymore. They want you to buy the entire jalopy now. And I think you're going to see several States that otherwise would not typically vote Republican when forced Um, to confront that it's the hammer and sickle or nothing and that you will be made to care is what the democratic party platform is in 2020. I think you'll see several other States flip and go red that Republicans traditionally do not win. We saw um, an omen for this with Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania in the last election. And I'll think you'll see a new tier of these kinds of States in this next one.
0: This became true as soon as you said, Bernie Sanders. Absolutely.
1: What if we were what if we were sitting here next year and Donald Trump is the first person since I don't know who to flip Minnesota to red they're the only state in the Union that voted against that voted against Ronald Reagan yes, yeah and his landslide
0: yeah this is a good place to come full circle to where we started about believe everything you hear isn't true because if assume you assume you're being lied you to. assume you're being lied to if you don't you won't be able to see the lay of the land for what it actually is.
2: Well, it's been a fun first day back. We're going to stick around and do some overtime now for our Blaze TV subscribers, blazetv.com slash dace if you'd like to subscribe right now at a discounted rate for the rest of you. We will see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace.
1: On the Blaze Radio Network.